Hello, welcome to this episode of the Harder to Kill podcast. I am your host, Coach Shannon, back with another episode here for you. Uh, my guest for today is Coach Kyle. I'm just going to go ahead and announce him because he will probably interrupt me while I'm trying to give my announcements like usual. Except for this time, now he's not. He's going to remain quiet. He's just going to leave me to talk on my own and sound like an idiot. Awesome. Okay. Um, bingo is going to be over probably by the time you listen to this. So Peyton's going to get me the sheets. I'm going to go through all the shirt sizes. I will get those ordered and we should have those in about two weeks or so. So congratulations to anybody who stuck it out and finished their bingo and is going to get a cool shirt to show it off. Um, also don't forget the to put on your calendar, save the date for the AM versus PM throwdown, which is March 25th, which is also Coach Peyton's birthday. Um, I think she's going to be 47. So really big birthday for Peyton. She's she's aged really well. (laughs) No, my joke. What did I say last week? I said she's going to be 21. So it's a big birthday. (laughs) Every, I'm never going to say her age. I'm just going to pick I'm going to pick a random age. What is it that Tim Garvin was always 27? That's his number. I don't remember. He would always make the joke. Yeah. His birthday, he was 27. Like yeah. every year. That was always the joke. Yeah. <laughs> he's 27. Yeah. Yeah. He's 27. You're like what? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think he gave like the, I forget why he gave, I think it might even be on the podcast. He, when he was on the podcast, he might've told me why he's always 27, but I mean, 27 is a really awesome age to be. So it's a good age. Just yeah. be 27 forever. So Peyton's going to be 27. Congratulations, Peyton. (laughs) So, um, all right, cool. So, um, for this episode, I brought Kyle on. We're actually going to talk about some of the like background of fitness and just kind of like why we do some of the things we do. I kind of also wanted to talk about the, um, difference between like hypertrophy training. So like getting your muscles bigger and getting your muscles stronger. I just think that a lot of people, you know, maybe have some misconceptions about that kind of stuff, or maybe just don't have a good connection between like what their training is actually doing for them. So what sparked my uh, idea to do this was I was listening to the Huberman lab podcast. Um, if you guys don't know what that is, uh, his name's Andrew Huberman and he is a professor of neurobiology at Stanford and he has a podcast and he does a lot of like I mean, he talks about all kinds of different things, but it just has a lot to do with like health and wellness and neurobiology, meaning that's all sorts of things that go on in your body. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, he has like just one of the more recent ones I listened to of his was just, um, the alcohol, how alcohol affects your body, but like on a somewhat of a, I mean, yeah, he, he nerds out on it, but he's pretty digestible. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't get all of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, he, he explains things very well. Yeah. So, and a lot of times he has guests on, uh, like I just saw one recently where, yeah, the alcohol one, super good, super good. I should have wrote down that, or I should have announced the like number. which number yeah, that was, but either. it's, it's pretty recent actually, but you could probably just search for Andrew Huberman. Yeah. Alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was a very popular episode. Like it was, it went viral. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, I just saw one recently, like how to optimize, like, male and female hormones. Yeah. He had like a testosterone recent. Was it? Yep. He did testosterone one too. So it's just like, there's just like a lot of, so anyway, that's just like what his podcast is about. It's one of those where you kind of probably are going to pick and choose the topics you're interested in to listen to. Um, but everything is like very, 
he takes it to, he simplifies it so that like you as a lay person can, can understand, right? So he's not going to go through all the specific biological mechanisms for how your body processes alcohol and like use all these terms. Cause like you don't care about that, mm-hmm. but you do care maybe about, he does a little bit. It's yeah. a little bit in that direction, but it's digestible. If you're interested in it, you will digest it. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so what he's doing right now is he's got this series and I think they do like six episodes and I, I've only gotten two two episodes in. So we're going to kind of summarize. The episodes are like three and a half hours. That's <laughs> yeah. quite a bit of information. Yeah. So what we're doing for you basically is we have spent the time to listen to these episodes. We have summarized them for you and we're going to give them to you in a very, um, easy to understand. And so you can like relate it to what you're specifically doing here at the gym. So his guest is Dr. Andy Galpin, which I don't know if he has a podcast too. He definitely is a very active on his social media. So if you follow him on like Instagram, he is a professor of kinesiology at Cal State Fullerton and he is a muscle expert and he mm-hmm. studies muscle fibers um, and like just basically how like your muscles react to all kinds of different things. So he's been in like this exercise science field and he's been studying like longevity. I've been listening to him on various podcasts since like 2013. Yeah. He's He's, been around a long time. He's been around a while. He's a young guy too. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. for, for being in the game. Well, I mean, I guess when I started listening to him, he was probably Probably like, he's probably like, yeah, like (laughs) mid twenties or something. He wasn't much older than me. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yep. So these guys, um, they're just super knowledgeable, their fields and, um, so if you're interested in listening to it, that's how you can like figure this out or, um, th- that's how you can like, if you want to listen more about this, those um, are their names. If you want to Google them to learn more. About <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Sorry. That didn't come out very well. Um, okay. So basically like how fit are we? What is fitness? Just kind of want to like start there. Um, Dr. Andy basically breaks it down into these like nine different adaptations of exercise. So it's basically just like nine categories that you can assess to like understand how fit you are and how fitness relates to like longevity and like maintenance over time, basically, Mm -hmm. because he's done a lot of studies on like, um, really old people and they're like VO two maxes and their muscle fibers. And just like he studied people, um, just like people who only did endurance and, you know, just like studying like all these different kinds of things. Because I think like, I think a big misconception is, um, that in order to be healthy, like you should just go out and like run every day. And that's going to like, that's going to make you like be a fitness person. Right. Wouldn't you say that that's kind of like a, yeah, kind of a, I don't want to say, I don't know if it's, um, not stereotype, but it's, it's, running is very easily accessible and it seems to be a popular spot that a lot of people will start on. will just be, Hey, I'm going to go out and start running or maybe it's biking, but it's kind of the or same. It could be like a cardio machine of some point. Yeah. Like it doesn't really matter. Cardio, running, cardio. running, running, biking, but a lot of people start their fitness journey by just using a cardio machine because of the simplicity of it and they know how to use it. So they have a little bit of confidence in it. So it's just a really easy place to start. And it's not even necessarily a bad spot to start either. Mm -hmm. Like it's very accessible. You have some confidence in it. You can get some, uh, get some momentum going. And you can definitely start to, you can definitely start getting fitter, more fit, like, you know, doing that sort of thing. So it, it, 
honestly, it's a good place to start just because of you can get started right away. It's really easy. Yeah. Um, Um, Well, I guess where I was coming from with this is there's not as much longevity studies on strength just because strength was demonized for so long. And like, it's just, it's just, it's a higher barrier to entry maybe to like get into strength training that like it didn't even start becoming popular till like the eighties. I don't think anybody would be surprised that more people start their fitness journey by hopping on a treadmill than they do going to a squat rack and starting to learn how to squat. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Um, It just was like, it wasn't till like, you know, bodybuilding kind of came on the scene, like the late seventies and like the eighties. And then everybody associated strength training with bodybuilding. Bodybuilding, Yeah. And not really like for function. And then it kind of started coming in to be like for sport. Right. So like, okay, if you're an athlete, like these studies have shown that if you do strength training, you become better at your sport, like whatever it is. So then it became this like regular people that weren't athletes only associated strength training with sports and athletes. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's become a very like recent thing that more people have started into like the strength training. That's not for like bodybuilding or like a powerlifting bias, right? Just strength training for general health. Yeah. It's like so recent. I mean, I would like, I would say that CrossFit, even though we've kind of moved away more from CrossFit, but I think the CrossFit like methodology and the whole like explosion of the gyms. It put barbells and dumbbells in people's hands that otherwise wouldn't do them. Yeah. Wouldn't use them. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my point. It accelerated this for sure. I think we would get there eventually just due to studies and general natural progression. But CrossFit as a methodology and as a business and as a, a kind of a movement through the mid to or like 2011, Early 2011 to, like, to 2000, yeah. we'll say maybe 20. I mean, maybe even in 2018, like there was this big surge and then it kind of died off. Yeah. Um, but it put barbells and dumbbells and strength training and brought that to general people who were looking for uh, a 60 minute fitness class. They were now going to get to do things and learn things like strict pull-ups and deadlifts and squats mm-hmm. where before really those things were reserved for athletes who are training for specific purposes, whether that be sport, which I guess I was going to say powerlifting, which is a sport. So yeah. training for sport or training for aesthetics, like a bodybuilding type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the type of people that we're using it. Yeah. So what you're saying is this whole strength training for the purpose of general fitness and health is actually like very, very recent within the last 20 years. Yeah. Or so one of like Dr. Andy's points that he was making about strength training, because they, they had kind of come to where like, so he had started out by saying that he had done this study on these like 90 year old men who had been doing cross country skiing, skiing for like yeah. years and years and years. And so he was really interested, you know, to like study them. And just basically highlighting the fact that there are not longevity studies like that, that you can compare with like strength training. And so he was saying that like when bodybuilding kind of came on the scene with like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that stuff, like people realized that they could change what their body looks like. They could change their appearance with like weight training. Right. Which definitely people knew before that, but it was not a mainstream knowledge until like the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. So think about literally that for, like the eighties, pretty much. Maybe the, yeah. yeah. Think about that. It wasn't until the seventies and eighties did the general population of people 
grasp that they had the ability to change the way their body looks via strength training or exercise or physical activity. Yeah. So I just think that that is just like completely wild. Like basically how like recent this like strength training thing is. So not only can you get stronger and become more functional with strength training, but you can also change the way you look. You can also, you know, get sculpted abs or biceps or shoulders or, you know, like you can get that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so as we know, we're all pretty like vain beings, right? And so how we look and our appearance is really important to us. And it's really the reason that a lot of people get into fitness to begin with, right? Like a lot of people's goals when they start, I think can be like put into two categories, which is basically like what Dr. Andy was saying. And I mean, we all know this, you want to look better usually. And you know, I don't think that we're going for some, not everybody's going for the same like beauty standards or the same looks, but Everybody wants to make some sort of improvement to their appearance. And I don't mean everybody. I just mean most people that start a fitness journey are like, oh, I would like to look They're motivated by changing the way they look. The way they look. To what degree could be this person to person or what that desired outcome is can be person to person. But most people are doing, starting something because they want to make some sort of a change on how they look. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you're somebody who's very motivated by some, some other thing, like let's say you go to the doctor and you have, let's say you have a major health scare and you're very, uh, initially motivated by changing your blood markers because you just had this major health scare. Even people that are motivated by that kind of stuff. What, still want to make changes in the way they look. They'll say things like, yeah, you know, my main goal is to, um, get off these medications, but I also wouldn't mind like losing this belly Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, yeah. Even though you might be initially drawn to doing something because of, uh, more of a health reason. Yeah. It's it's kind of attached. Yeah. So, um, the other reason would be like function. Okay. So some sort of functionality. So like what you were saying with like, uh, you know, having some sort of health scare to me, that's more of a function, right? Because now your body's not really functioning at a hundred percent. You're probably not feeling great. And so you have this function to where like, okay, I'm going to start exercising because I need to get stronger. I want to feel better. And so basically there's those two things. I want to look better and I want to be able to move better and feel better. Like those are basically the two reasons that, you know, people even like get into this fitness thing to begin with. And so, um, and so I guess basically what I'm saying is like, we do strength and conditioning here because we believe that you need the combination of strength training and conditioning because the research is been a long time known about endurance training that yes, it's great for your cardiovascular system and people who have exercised, even if it's just running or like the cross country skiers, they are in great cardiovascular health. Like their heart works really well. Um, but they don't have muscles. And so like they, they were getting into the whole like difference between like the slow twitch muscles and the fast twitch muscles. So people who train for endurance and, you know, just like your, your slow twitch muscles are just what like allow you to function as a human every single day. But your fast twitch muscles are the things that like catch you in a fall or, you know, or that sort of stuff. And you're typically not tapping into those things like fast twitch muscles, um, unless you're specifically training them. Yeah. Um, due to just you know, we have these bodies that have evolved over thousands of years and our society and normal things that we do every day doesn't, the necessity to tap into your fast twitch 
doesn't come from your everyday life. You're mm-hmm. not running to catch your food every day. You're not, yeah. you know what I mean? You're not. Yeah, for sure. So I think in that study, they talked about, um, you had these people that had these long-term skiing backgrounds and these really high aerobic capacities and mm-hmm. this type of stuff. Um, but you know, when you tested those types of people for their fast twitch, they're extremely low because yeah. they never tapped into them. Yeah. Um, and the importance of keeping those fast twitch muscles active and high is like you said, those are the muscles that you use in emergencies, like a fall and that mm-hmm. type of thing. I mean, we associate old people with getting slow with falling and, and well, being slow for right? sure. <laughs> but it's like, why are they slow? It's because they stop moving fast. That sounds like a ridiculous answer. But yeah. the reason that your grandma can't walk fast is because she quit walking fast. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with the fast twitch muscle fibers. If you don't train them, you lose them. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. We've found that you need to maintain those fast twitch muscles. And the only way to maintain those is to do strength training. And to do high power output movements. Right. I was. I, I don't think you have to specifically do strength training to maintain the the fast twitch. You need to do speed training. the 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 other part of that would be the strength to maintain the strength. You have to do strength training. Yeah. Okay. Well, and they, they are they are connected. Yeah. I guess I was just thinking like another one of the the facets to like. Okay, if we're talking about like a fall or, you know, preventing an injury, you need strength to be able to like catch yourself. So Mm -hmm. not only do you need to train like a fast reflex, but you also, if you're not strong, it doesn't matter if your reflexes are fast, you're still going to fall. You know what I mean? Whereas like if you not only have your, your speed, so you're able to like stick your foot out fast, your leg is also strong enough to hold your body weight. You know? Right. And you, but you do need strength to be able to move it fast as well. So sure. you need, you need some strength to be able to yeah. do it. I think when we were talking about like on that, uh, like neuromuscular level though, mm-hmm. to simplify, if you, you need to continue to practice moving fast yeah. to be able to continue to move fast. Yeah. And I think you might think, you know, I think you might think <laughs> you might be Who thinking, thinks? you might be thinking, <laughs> why would I need to move fast? And I think the fall or. Um, the just, slip, the, honestly, not even a fault. Just, uh, imagine you're walking and then your foot hits a piece of ice. Mm-hmm. You know how fast you as a human turn into a superhero. <laughs> you know how that instant reflex that just happens mm-hmm. that will go away. Mm-hmm. If yeah. your, your brain, essentially your brain will fire to have that thing happen, but your muscles cannot work as fast as they used to. Yeah. So it's just a good way to, so strength and conditioning combined is a good way to be a very functional human later in life, as well as currently in life. Because Mm -hmm. even currently, even as a younger person, if you don't train this stuff, you're not going to be as good. You're not going to be as good at dealing with emergencies as you would be if you had been training. right? Right. So it's like, so yeah, maybe a younger person like, okay, well, I, I definitely am strong enough not to just fall down. You know what I mean? But like, what about your overall just functionality in general? Like you're obviously going to be better if you're training, if you're training these muscles and you're training your cardio, like you're going to be able to do whatever you want to. And I think that that's just the point we're trying to make. We're trying to, um, just tell you that maintaining this over time, you are going to be a more functional human for a longer period of time, which is like what we're trying to go for. Right. Wouldn't you agree? 
I mean, and also like maybe look better that whole time too. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's just a quality of life improvement. Like typically if you are like the way you look, there's a confidence, you feel better, just things start snowballing. Yeah. In a good direction. Yeah. Hey, snowball can be used both ways, right? Like good know. or bad. I don't know, actually. It's just like momentum. Are you Googling that? What are you doing? No, I oh, I was like, don't Google it. I don't need to know that bad. We'll no, just make assumptions. My computer went to sleep and I was just like, oh. I was trying to get it to come back up. Cause I like to kind of monitor the screen to make sure that nothing like blew up in the middle of this episode. Mm-hmm. So I don't like my screen to go to sleep. So I should probably just like turn off the go to sleep feature, but I did not do that anyway. Okay. So, um, let's go ahead. I'm going to list off these nine physiological adaptations from exercise. And then we can kind of, I don't know, we don't need to like talk about each one super in depth because I think the ones that are most important to us are going to be mostly talking about the difference between like endurance and strength and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So even though we have these nine adaptations, I think pretty much you can kind of lump them into like strength and conditioning. Don't you think? Like for the most part. Yeah. So, okay. So what they are is number one is skill. So just a skill would be just like, just any sort of thing that you're like working on, like throwing a baseball or learning. A would you evolve like maybe or, more like fine motor skills or yeah, patterns to that essentially? Maybe learning how to like rope climb, like considering that, you know, that you have the strength to be able to like rope climb. Right. Like just like learning how to do things. There's utility in learning new things. Yeah. Learning new things. Make sure that you continue to learn how to learn. Yeah. And just like learning is a skill. Yeah. So just I, like, I, I'm trying to not use the word skill in my descriptions, but I keep doing it. <laughs> so that's frustrating me. Why? I don't know. Okay. So like, so just a skill, it's a super basic thing. Um, and it's pretty like broad term and what we're talking about here. So learning a skill. It could even be like getting better at the snatch or something. Well, I was just going to say, if you look at the way we write most of our strength pieces, they say strength slash skill. That's because strength kind of is a skill, like learning strength is a skill. (laughs) So, um, once you become competent in something like the back squat, you can really use it to develop strength. But before you can be, before you can do that, you have to learn the skill skill. of where to hold the bar, how to do it. Right. For sure. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is speed. Um, just that's kind of what we just talked about. Yeah. Kind that's of. the whole thing of like, you need to, you need to move fast to be able to move fast. Yeah. So you have to actively practice moving fast and kind of yeah. like I just said, our everyday environment that we go through life doesn't give us a ton of opportunity to practice moving fast, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. get out of bed, you make breakfast, you yeah. get your kids ready, you go to work, you drive your car. Like none of these things involve like moving at a quick pace. And we're not talking about like a, like a run, like a, you know, even like a hard run. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that's like quick in an instant like in an instant like a jump like a big a big jump that brings in other aspects we're going to talk about but something that happens quick and Mm -hmm. fast yeah whereas we don't necessarily train speed by itself we implement you don't really i would argue you don't train anything by itself yeah i guess kind of because we do i mean specifically sometimes you are doing a snatch and the only thing you're working on is just moving that bar fast. fast Yes, you're also learning a skill and there's force development yeah. power and that kind of stuff. There's also like box jump or something would be like some like a fast movement. Yeah, like exactly. Do. I don't think you really ever train anything completely by itself. You're using different components of fitness. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that Olympic lifting, the reason we do it primarily is to 
help people maintain and develop speed production. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think I might even have that note in here somewhere, or if I don't have the note in there, I definitely thought about that to where, um, when anyone is maybe possibly arguing about why you would teach general population the snatch. And it's like, well, it's a really good place. Like Olympic lifting in general is a really good place to do speed and power. Mm -hmm. Yep. Accuracy and mobility as well. But yeah, speed. Those aren't in here. They're not on our list. Accuracy and mobility are not on the list. But yes, it is a great way to learn how to move fast. So, um, as a skill. So power is number three. So power, it's a little bit hard to, explain what you're talking about here but power is basically like doing something very purposeful like trying hard i think well (laughs) it's like your work output i don't know if that's i don't know if that's the best (laughs) explanation yeah i don't think you explain it because i don't have a good way to explain power Power is simply okay let's kind of abstract let's start with strength and we'll come back to power okay we'll start okay so Strength is number four or like force. So like how much weight can you move? You have a lot of force production in your strength. So that's strength. Um, did you want to talk about power now or move on? Was that, we're just going to breeze over strength like that. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to get the list out and then oh, if you okay. want to like come, I, we, we could talk more about it. Well, we've already ahead. started about talking them individually just briefly. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. So strength is just moving load. Yeah. Right. What I was going to say, power, power is moving load with a time component. Okay. How fast can you move a load? Mm-hmm. That's power production. Okay. All right. I feel like you've changed the tempo of this where we were going through and giving a brief explanation on each one. And now you just want to be like muscle hypertrophy, muscle endurance, anaerobic <laughs> capacity, anaerobic capacity, and long duration cardio. No, no. And then come back That's to it. I did not mean to do that. Okay. I did not mean to do that. Um, all right, cool. So did you say what you wanted to say about strength? Yeah, but I'm not sure you said what you want to say about strength. I, I just... People know what strength is, I think. Oh, okay. No? No, it's fine. Okay. I think it's okay. We can okay, move cool. on. Okay, number five is muscle hypertrophy. And I don't know if everyone knows the term hypertrophy, but it just refers to the size of your muscle. Um, it's not really its strength or functionality. And, and I think, and I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but it's something that I do want to at least touch on maybe not in this episode, but maybe in this episode is the difference between strength and hypertrophy. Cause I think a lot, they are definitely related, but I think a lot of people honestly think they are the same thing. Okay. So muscle hypertrophy is just simply the size of the muscle. A bigger muscle is, we'll just say always, almost always a stronger muscle, but a stronger muscle is not always a bigger muscle. Yeah. So, um, Andy was talking about basically how you actually can lose some strength if your muscles are, if, if they are too big in some scenarios, just because like the actual like fibers and things themselves are like too far apart to like connect. Well, would you say that's starting to get it at on the kind of the margins? Like, Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Generally speaking, a bigger muscle is a stronger muscle. Mm-hmm. but a stronger muscle does not necessarily have to be a bigger muscle. So if you're, if you wanted to get stronger and stay the same size, keep your muscles the same size, that is doable. Mm-hmm. Most people, well, what did I just say? Sorry. If, if you, if you want to keep your muscles the same size, but get stronger, that's something that you could specifically train for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because the difference muscle hypertrophy is more so like, 
to get bigger muscles, it's a different training style than strength training. Right. So like, while they do go hand in hand, because especially if you're supporting this whole process with protein, your muscles are going to get stronger and they're going to get bigger. Right. It, it pretty much, and especially the type of training that we do here, like we're training both things a lot of the times. I was going to say, you, you can't be thinking about these two things being in a vacuum. They're probably 75% overlapped, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. know, if you're training for absolute strength, you're maybe looking at very low rep ranges that are heavy, like ones, twos, and threes. Yeah. And if you're training for hypertrophy, like specifically, like you almost don't want to get stronger. You just want to focus on uh, muscle size. You might be training at higher rep ranges, like eight, nine, 10. Yeah. You're 11, doing a ton 12. of volume. You're doing a ton of volume. Well, yeah. if you're training in like the four, five, six, seven, eights, which are very, very common rep schemes, here's why they're common. Mm-hmm. They're kind of give you the best of both worlds. Yeah. So you're getting a reasonable amount of muscle growth and a reasonable amount of strength increase. Because here we're sort of training more generally because we aren't trying to get people as strong as possible, right? right? We aren't trying to get people as big as possible. Not trying to get people as big as possible, right? Right. We just want people to, you can look relatively better, right? If you're increasing your muscle size and you can uh, get pretty strong, actually like relatively strong, way stronger than you even need to be. I mean, 100% way stronger than you need to be. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make of like, how strong do you really need to be to be your functional person out here? Because totally, if you're in a sport or you, you know, you do need to be specifically strong for some reason, that's a totally different thing than what we're talking about and what we train. We have here. so many people here who are unreasonably strong. <laughs> yes, I, I don't even mean that in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, you do not need to be able to back squat 405 pounds. Like you don't need to do that. You, yeah. you know, you argument can be made that if you're trying to be perfectly balanced, you would have turned that back squat off a little while ago and started working on other things that you need to develop. Yeah. I'm not saying that's actually what you need to do. If we're just talking yeah. about trying to create that perfect balance in yeah. everything, um, I'm all for you pushing up the back squat yeah. weight, by the way. But I mean, you're never going to be like perfectly balanced. No, just that's because, not, it's not really yeah. the goal. It's your, not really the goal. Your genetics play a part. What the goal is, is to be proficient in all of these, not necessarily optimal, not necessarily you are perfect in all of these to be you, the perfect. You should be, yeah, you should be able to kind Proficiency. of hit. Yeah, you should be proficient in all of these, but then your own desires and um, genetics, genetics and-, <laughs> and just what do you want, that plays a major role into this. I, you know, if you just said, hey, I don't care what my health markers are, I just want to be as strong as possible. And that's truly how you feel. Then it's like, who am I to tell you that that's not what you should chase? If you think like a strong man or something like Which- that. but. To me, that's very specific. And those people are not doing that for their health and longevity. No, definitely not. Just like CrossFit athletes. Yeah. You're not, these elite CrossFit athletes are not doing this stuff for their health and longevity because the stuff that they're doing does not lend to longevity. And I would argue it is not healthy a lot of the times. Like they're not, they, they work specifically to be good at CrossFit. It's really not health and wellness. Which People is, have said it for yeah. a long time that CrossFit and the CrossFit games being intertwined 
is a huge disservice for the health aspect Gen Pop. of yeah it is because you get these athletes are put on pedestals and people look up to them and they see the training they're doing and they want to do it and it's just not realistic they somehow think it's possible for mm-hmm. them um but like you have to understand that these people are doing this for money and it's their job and they nobody's going it. nobody's going to the YMCA <laughs> and shooting hoops at noon thinking they're LeBron James <laughs> but there's a ton of people out there who are doing double day CrossFit workouts who are like yeah you know this might be my year when I get through quarterfinals I'm it's like yeah. no yeah yeah I I I agree I and and I think that that's like a big reason why we moved away from that here because we're more wanting to like be generally strong generally cardiovascularly fit, generally functional, like that sort of stuff. And like when you do something super specific, which CrossFit would argue it or not specific, but it is, it's, 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 it's specializing in being very generally fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So number one was skill. Number two, speed. Number three, power. Number four, strength. Number five, muscle hypertrophy. Number six, muscle endurance. Oh my God. What is the difference in that? Like, Okay. Muscle endurance. Like you would take something like, I think a push up was a good example and they might've yeah. used this in the podcast too episode. A push up is a good example of muscle endurance. Like how many push ups can you do in a row before failure? So muscle endurance is like how, um, how many reps can you do your build your muscles ability to contract multiple times over? Yeah. So it's not really, so we do train muscle endurance here quite a bit. Like mm-hmm. any, like we have a whole, um, like feel for the workout as muscle overload, right? So this would be training your muscle endurance. Most, I mean, yeah, really anytime you're getting more than 10, 12 reps in a set of something, you're getting into muscle endurance and think about how many times, you know, especially in like a conditioning setting, you're doing more than 10 or 12 reps at a time. Yeah. Very, very frequently. For sure. Um, so muscle endurance, and then there's the anaerobic capacity, not fun. (laughs) So that'd be like your one rep maxes and things like that. Uh, anaerobic capacity. Yeah. Uh, no, that would be like max effort work. That would be like work done in under 90 seconds or so. Think like, um, okay. So, so one rep max would be strength, but like anaerobic capacity wouldn't be like a one rep max situation. Um, so typically anaerobic capacity would refer to work like, uh, bike sprints or, okay. So more like machine style stuff. What it is, is it's, it's, um, no, no, definitely doesn't have to be machine work. Essentially like your send pace for like a short amount of time. Um, not even essentially. So aerobic capacity without getting like into it. Cause I'm not a super okay, big aerobic nerd. capacity is number eight. Right. Okay. So aerobic is like a little, a longer time frame. Right. Because it's taking, you need oxygen to start producing power in aerobic. Okay. Let's talk about it this way. Okay. So the last three things, number seven, anaerobic capacity, number eight, aerobic capacity, and number nine is long duration cardio. So I guess maybe you could take it more as like short, medium and long. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So essentially aerobic means that you need to bring in oxygen to create energy. Your body has three different energy systems. One of them being aerobic, Mm -hmm. um, 
you need to bring in oxygen to create power. Mm-hmm. Anaerobic is basically everything that happens before, before that. that. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then, but none like, of these. So you're like gas feel situation. Like when well, that like yeah. hits you. And none you... of these, none of these work in a vacuum, right? You're always yeah. using all three energy something. systems. Yeah. It's just kind of primarily the easiest way to think about something anaerobic would be um, 30 second effort on an assault bike. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not breathing heavy while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. You don't have an oxygen debt. Like yet. hits you after. It hits you after. <laughs> Anytime you do something that feels hard while you're doing it, but then gets really bad when you stop, that's anaerobic, um, anaerobic capacity. It's the least fun to train. I feel like it's that gas feel. It's it's the gas feel. It's um it's something that builds like this huge oxygen debt and then it hurts later yeah. type of thing. Got it. it requires rest to repeat. Mm-hmm. You got it. A minute on three minutes off a minute on three minutes off something like that. So I was going to, I don't want to talk this too much about the VO two max because we aren't able to like measure that, but the VO two max just basically measures the efficiency that your body like uses that oxygen uses oxygen. Yeah. Yep. And so delivers it to your, they test this a lot. And didn't you say your dad had this? It's probably someone, something that your dad had tested. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that are like, like 60 plus or whatever, when they go to like their doctor, especially for like heart health or whatever. So they my dad, this my dad had mask. open heart surgery in like 1963 or four, something like that. Like, cause it, he has like a genetic, he, he was born with like a hole in his heart. Like, okay. like it was a genetic thing he was born with. Um, and he had open heart surgery in the early sixties, which was like, that was a, a big thing going on, right? Yeah. Like that wasn't <laughs> not as common as today or just whatever. He has like a big scar down his yeah. chest. Cause they basically just had to yeah. open your whole <laughs> thing up. So I think what he said is just something along the lines of he goes to Mayo clinic. He does it every year and it's part of their like record keeping too. Like they obviously want to like, they check. want long-term tests. They want long-term so. tests, but he, I mean for his health and his benefit yeah. as well, but they also want their data on like this kind of stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he gets, like this, like pretty in-depth test or mm-hmm. more in-depth than a normal than person. Normal. Would get. Yeah. But I exactly. think for anybody who is like maybe struggling with that sort of the, you know, like a heart health or a cardio health, like they, they do these VO two testing and they do it on like athletes a lot too. Mm-hmm. So, um, we don't really like have access to that sort of thing. So one thing that a lot of people and anyone who wears like a wearable device, like a whoop or a Fitbit or iPhone, an iPhone, <laughs> anyone who wears their iPhone on their wrist, um, it'll keep track of your resting heart rate. And then obviously you have your like your different heart rate zones for the different like types of activity. So you're going to have a different heart rate zone for your aerobic and your long duration, right? You, you know, or what your steady state long durations like steady state cardio yes to where basically like you're slightly your heart rate is slightly elevated but you're able to like talk and like and it's something you could do for like 90 minutes or uh, what yeah. is it is it 60 plus or like 60 plus? plus maybe yeah no 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 it's shorter than oh, that it starts like lower 30 yeah minutes it starts plus. lower it's like anything after like 30 minutes 30 minutes or something which is which is a long time yeah oh maybe it was 20 minutes they said because i think this aerobic capacity they they're they're like putting like 8 to 15 minutes yeah so well here's the thing i think that's to test aerobic capacity oh okay to like actually because it needs to be i mean this is 
this is the reason why a lot of our conditioning workouts fall in that eight to 15 minute range yeah. because really anything after in 15 minutes, you do need to be pretty fit. So like really let's use more of that, like eight to 10 minute range. Um, you need to be able to be pushing the intensity to, uh, get an accurate kind of idea of where you're at in your VO two max. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I kind of convoluted two points there of like why we do that. It's because it's a short enough duration to where you're able to bring intensity to it. Where yeah. You can just get into that aerobic situation. Per, I mean the yeah. 12, the 12 minute run that we did on Monday or was it Monday? Mon yeah. Monday. We it was did. a row. Oh, it was whatever you wanted. It was, oh, it was run or row. Run, okay, run row yeah, or ski. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I rode, but that, oh yeah, I forgot you could run. That was so. the idea <laughs> behind that is like anybody who did that, you realize 12 minutes is a lot longer than you want it to be, mm -hmm. but you were able to, you were able to push the pace. It wasn't an endurance event that you started out by being like, okay, I need to be really, really chill. Cause I'm going to be sitting on this thing for 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah. It's like you, you could start hot, settle in and then finish hot. Yeah. So if you're not doing a interval style workout where you have like rest built in anything above that, like. 10 to 15 minute time range is going to start going into more of like a long steady state style yeah. of thing, just because you just literally can't maintain a high level of work like past that. Right. Point. And as far as testing it, it needs to be yeah. short. Otherwise you're going to start like pacing it and yeah. it needs to be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So that go ahead. Oh, okay. We'll pause for a second. Okay, and we're back. Kyle has sorry. one more point he wants to make. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom really bad. Okay, last last point I wanted to make on the aerobic capacity piece was this is the sweet spot for training, I think. For getting the most out or trying to be the most efficient with building your conditioning, your overall, like let's call it cardio, you can get a lot out of hard workouts between 8 and 15 minutes. Yes, you should be able to go longer than that. But for the majority of your training, you're going to get the most bang for your buck training hard eight to 15 minutes. Yeah. Which is why but we like do, that's, four I mean, times that's, a week. <laughs> right. And I mean, if you look at like our conditioning pieces, the majority of them fall right in there. Yeah. And so that's kind of why our class is structured the way it is, right? Like we have a warm up, which we're going to go over warm ups too. We could go oh, over cool. that next. Um, There's really nothing to say. Yes, there is. No, there's not. Uh, yes, I want to talk okay. about it. Okay. 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 So there's like the warm up because obviously we need to warm up. And then there's the strength. We prioritize that because you want. Strength or skill. Strength or skill. I think is important, right? Because when we're looking at these other things, strength is we have skill, speed, power, and strength. Strength is one thing that we could be working on. Power is a kind of a derivative of strength combined with speed. Yeah. And then you also have a skill that you could be learning. So like the first four on the list, we spend time doing basically every day. Yeah. And, and we want to do those first when you're not like under fatigue. Learning a new skill is hard when you're very, very tired. Creating power yeah. force is yeah. hard to do when you're very fatigued. Right. Yep. So that's kind of why the classes are structured in that way. So we're able to be super efficient. We're able to strength train. We're able to cardio train and we're able to get that done in 60 minutes. Right. We're able to take the class and everybody through that. And if you're doing that four times a week, you're going to be hitting all nine of those things that I listed on a regular basis all the time. And over time sticking to that, you're going to be a very functional fit person. Um, 
you know, and you're probably going to be looking better too, even if you're not trying that hard to mm-hmm. like, you know, with your nutrition, because we don't, I don't want to get into that on this side, but, um, we do all know that nutrition does play a part in how you look. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to, if you don't care that much and you care, you prioritize function more then your nutrition's a little bit less important. <laughs> However, if we are talking about health and longevity, then I still would like say that like, there's kind of a baseline. You kind of need to be reasonably eating well. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I mean, that might just look like a protein goal. Yeah. That's so much better than not having that. If you just want to make sure you hit a protein goal and that's kind of all you want to do, you will, depending on where you're at, you will probably see improvement. Let's talk about that really quick because I have a ton of notes on protein because one thing that I thought was cool and I didn't actually know this because I'm not a scientist. I actually am a scientist. I was, but not a biological, biological, (laughs) biology scientist. Okay. So Dr. Andy was talking about the different like body processes for protein. And so he was saying that if you just eat protein, so say like your body weight per gram, um, and protein. So say like for a typical woman, you're eating like 130 grams of protein per day, but you don't strength train. You're still going to see like muscle growth and you're still going to see that with the protein synthesis that is happening in your body even if you don't strength train if you just strength train but you don't eat what i'm going to call adequate protein because people are like definitely eating protein but to eat adequate protein we kind of go by that like gram per body weight so like you know a typical guy is eating like what 185 grams or you know whatever okay so if you're not eating that but you're strength training you're still going to see gains in your strength and your muscle size. So what's awesome about it is you have these two different pathways in your body. So if you're doing both things, then you're getting like a really good bang for your buck. You're basically layering two different mechanisms in your body on top of each other to like get these really awesome results. So if you're eating that adequate protein that you need to support protein synthesis, then you're going to get muscle growth and you're going to get stronger. And you're obviously going to be gaining those things if you're actually doing strength training. So they don't cancel each other out. (laughs) They don't, they add together. together. Okay. I didn't know if it was a plus or a minus. No, 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 no. They're stacking on top of each other to add together. So you're telling me that strength training will get me stronger. Yes. Hold on. You're telling me that eating protein will improve my muscle growth. Yes. You're telling me that if I eat protein and strength train, I will get stronger, get more muscles, um, more efficiently than just doing one or the other. Yeah. (laughs) It's mind blowing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. The other thing also is that, um, So to get a little bit scientific, he was talking also about how the protein synthesis occurs in like other parts of your body. So like growing your red blood cells and hair follicles, um, you know, it's like as well as muscle fibers. So like a lot of the processes in your body rely on this protein synthesis to like regenerate, renew, you know, hair, skin, nails, like just all that things stuff. that are like shedding essentially. <laughs> yeah. I all mean, the stuff that you continuously grow. <laughs> well, I think there's other things too. Yeah, like I'm when sure. you think about like red blood cells or whatever, they're constantly I was just like talking about the vanity so. things. Oh, okay. I was also Cause, just, hey, cause those are what sell. Yeah. That's what matters. Yeah. Um, but I was also just saying like, it's another reason why having a more healthy diet and especially a protein biased diet is like 
just healthier for you like overall because you're not just it's not just your like muscle growth that like protein does for you so anyway I'm just trying to like tell you that if you're gonna do anything it's like what you were saying like have a protein goal just get your protein if you're gonna do nothing else with your nutrition I think that that's probably did they I don't remember this did they touch on anything about consistency of that protein goal um, or was it just kind of implied that that's like something that you would do every day? I am not sure if they talked about Maybe like the didn't. consistency of it. I mean, it's sort of implied that it has to be cons- like your training, your strength training, your nutrition, all that stuff to, mm-hmm. for all that to go together to get this outcome that you're looking for. I was just curious because be I, I, I wanted to kind of reiterate the importance of the consistency thing of the, um, getting that, whatever your example was, a gram per body weight or Mm -hmm. whatever, somewhere around there. And that just needs to happen every day. I mean, your body's functioning every day. I would imagine, (laughs) this is me speculating. I would imagine that you really start seeing, you talk, you were talking about how you can get some of these benefits of muscle growth by just eating the protein. Mm -hmm. I would imagine those would start dropping off significantly if this became pretty sporadic. Like you're supposed to be at 130 and one day you get 70 and the next day you get like 200 and then the next day I mean you you're just like, gonna get less right right yeah. you're just gonna get less muscle growth and then you know obviously you can't eat like just any amount of protein there starts to become a point of diminishing returns to where your body is just filtering out any excess protein right but like if you're if you're not consistently providing your body with an adequate amount, then it's just, it's not going to be using it for those processes. Right. So yeah. Yep. Like it doesn't stick around forever. So this was the other thing he was talking about. So like carbs and fat and your body stick around. Protein is processed immediately. Your body has a mechanism for storing um, carbs and fat, storing carbs and fat. You will turn, I believe you will take some of that protein and turn it into a, uh, turn it into like, like, like you'll go through that glycolysis, I think is what it's called. And you can, I do not you can end up storing some of that. It won't store as protein. It converts to yeah something like, else. It converts yeah. to like a carbohydrate yeah. and you store it's it. It's so much fat. less like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Protein is literally you, your body uses that and, and it's gone. Right. So if you're not consistently getting that, then you're missing out on the benefits of this protein. And so that's why you, I, so I guess I would say maybe they like indirectly were saying that, that basically like protein is not, is to, not a thing that's essentially like stored to optimize. You're dosing yourself with a, ch- like a 20 to 30 gram chunk of protein every so many hours to optimize. Right. Yeah, for sure. They, they did talk about though, remember back in the day when we first like started doing protein shakes mm-hmm. and there was like this, these studies that came out that like you had to get your protein shake within like 20 minutes of training or 30 oh, yeah. minutes of training to like, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know if those were ever actually studies that were done <laughs> as much as it was just what people thought, just what probably people, from like bodybuilding. Well, what I think what it, and I also think where it kind of came from was if you just, if you tied that protein intake to an activity, you are more apt to get it done. They were saying on this podcast and these guys are like scientists and experts in mm-hmm. their field that, um, they basically found that it's not the case mm-hmm. that the window for that is not tight at all. It's basically just like, 
get your protein every day. Yeah. Um, I've been under the impression of that with the protein for a while now. Yeah. You could, the, the thing that the timing comes more important with like carbohydrate and that type of stuff. I mean, it's only important if you're doing fitness for money, like, or a sport for money. Um, I wouldn't say that. I would say if you care about performance, if you care about optimizing your performance, then it 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 becomes more important. Yeah. So I guess maybe if like, you know, if, if you are training all the time and you want to go to like a competition, then like your food timing might marginally, you know, it's a small percentage, yeah. but like, yeah, I get it. When you're in a testing environment, then it becomes like more important. But yeah. I would say for our, which I'm trying to like, I'm trying to have this relate to people who are here for their general fitness. And so the timing of that stuff, I don't think is that important other than like, if you don't want to feel like shit when you're training, it's definitely farther down the list than just hitting an adequate amount of protein. Yeah. But what I was going to say was if you don't want to feel like shit, when you work out, you definitely don't want to have eaten within the past, like two hours or eaten something heavy, like something very fatty or something like that. You might feel lethargic or your stomach, you know, like, especially if you're doing some sort of gassy workout, I have a a hot, I have a hot question. Oh, hot button question. I don't know if I have the answer to this. I don't, I don't know if there is an answer to this. Okay. Do you think it's more important to prioritize that protein goal every day or like quality food? So what I'm saying is you hit a, you hit, let's say your goal is 140 grams of protein every day and you hit it every single day using like protein shakes and this kind of stuff and some normal food or whatever. Um, but the quality of the food you're eating is like less than ideal, or you eat a really high quality food source, but you don't get adequate protein. This is like a, would you rather? I I don't know. I really don't have an answer to the question. Uh, I've generally myself prioritized protein. It it depends on what your goals are. I mean, I would definitely say if your goals are to get stronger and grow your muscles, then you should prioritize your protein Mm -hmm. and the other stuff doesn't matter as much for that. Health. But they're but, the quality of food is more comes into like your health and maybe how you feel like digest and it probably all depends, wise. right? Because if you're eating super high quality food but only getting like five grams of that protein was going to be my day, point. Yeah, it definitely depends. I just was generally curious because I'm like trying to think of like a question that someone might have. It's yeah, like, I mean, if you're gen, so it's never a good idea to be general or to be biased to one particular thing, right. like. Like, especially if if you're going for your overall health and no, I don't think it's priority to make sure your food is super healthy, but you're not getting the protein that you need. I still think the protein is a priority. Mm -hmm. I think the more high quality your food is in general, the better off you're going to be. But if you do nothing else, but just get your protein, but you like those Twinkies that you have every day, I think that you're still going to be better off to have that protein. I kind of. Even with the Twinkies and the I'm ice inclined, cream. I'm inclined <laughs> to agree, but I really do not know. I'll make that clear. Yeah. Like there's definitely a balance. I know that you don't, I would rather have you probably not hit your protein goal and eat healthy food than hit your protein goal off of just literally drinking protein shakes. And that's all you do. Um, I don't know. Your body doesn't really know the difference, but I think the problem with it is if your goal is no, also you're going like, to be missing out on a lot of other, I don't know. Well, I, I was I, just going to yeah. say if, if, if you're looking for also like weight loss or like aesthetic goals, then you're going to 
be a lot more hungry if you're only getting your protein from sources like protein shakes. So you're going to end up eating a larger volume of food that's going to be more calories. So I think it comes down to when you're talking about like the quality of your food and where your food comes from, more about what your other goals are Mm -hmm. associated with you know, your idea of like looking good and feeling good. Or maybe if you're, you know, like what you said earlier, have some sort of health scare, then like, yeah, then prioritizing maybe where you source this food from is going to be more important to you. Like if you're diabetic or something like that. Yeah. Right. So I'm just I kind of say, making questions here. I really don't have yeah. answers to it. I just, just kind of, I think thinking, it kind like, of depends. Yeah. I, I think for the average person that comes here, I think you're way better off to just prioritize your just protein Just make sure goal you get that protein. And start there. And, and over time, you will start to make the changes. I, I like that route as well because the making the protein goal a priority is it's relatively easy. It's just like, hey, are you eating this many grams of protein? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. No? Why not? What can we do to get you there? Mm-hmm. If yes, okay, have you been able to do that consistently for weeks? Yes, no. And mm-hmm. then once you do make it a habit, then it's a lot easier to go in and start well, changing how do, the next how do thing. we clean this up yeah. it seems to work better that way than getting people trying to eat really clean because clean is such a air quotes like it it's hard to dial in what that is and then it's like it doesn't make sense to go back and add in protein to that i think it can be kind of overwhelming too yeah. to like think about that so and if you simplify it and just be like i don't care if you just drink three protein shakes a day we're getting you to this number yeah then we'll start cleaning it up yeah i i think that that's probably the best route um for that. Um, okay. So before we, before we go, um, but we talked about like the different adaptations and we talked about like, you know, all the things, but in the end, your adherence to what you do, your consistency, like your are, are very important to like seeing these long-term results and to being able to like get to these goals. All right. So it's like, you have to pick a thing you're going to do and you have to consistently do it. If you don't do that, you're not going to like, you're not going to get these results. You're not going to like meet these goals. So that's the unfortunate part of all of this is like, this is not a, like a short term thing. Like this is like a lifestyle. You want to like develop this into your lifestyle training. You're going to do four days, five days a week, right? For how long though? Forever until you die. Okay. Like you're doing this until you die. So like, that's why it's a lifestyle and not like a diet or like a, you know what I mean? A, yeah. A okay. challenge or a, yeah. yeah. So I'm just talking about like, so in the end he was saying to like see these results and like to be overall, like get success, you need adherence, consistency you, and in order to get stronger and like, okay, we always talk about like, we always use the term like adaptation. You have to have progressive overload. You have to if you want to get stronger, you have to like do heavier weights. You have to like put heavy weights on your body to get strong. Is that true? Yes. Hold on, hold on. Heavy. Okay. That's not true. Okay. You do have to progressively overload. That's what I mean. Sorry. Yes. See, I'm getting. When I say heavy weights, I mean like relatively to you, not like. But it doesn't have to be heavier. You just need to be able to provide a training stimulus Mm -hmm. that is increased from the previous one. Okay. Right. So I just want to, I just want to, okay. Cause what I don't want people to think is that means that the only way to get stronger is to progressively add more weight to their barbell. Mm, yeah. That's not necessary. You can get stronger by doing things like getting more time under tension, mm-hmm. uh, increasing range of motion, um, 
more force production through speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one other. What's the other easy one? There's another low hanging fruit. What am I forgetting? Temp- tempo, range of motion. Holds. Uh, no, no, no. Going faster. <laughs> All these things. I don't know the other one. But sorry. My, my point was, is that I didn't want people to think that. You have to just add five pounds, yes, five pounds you, until you, you aren't <laughs> able to add five pounds every week. You're not going to be getting stronger. Yeah. There's lots of other ways to get stronger. Um, I think you're also like taking that in a short amount of time. I guess I'm thinking more like over like years, not just like, oh, within a training block or like something like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, like within a training block, you're not necessarily going to add five pounds every week. Right. But you might. But Yeah. 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 But like you can't just do the exact same thing. You can't have the exact same weights and do the exact same thing like you will adapt to that and then your body will not change right so i was just gonna say though i'm just trying to like contextualize this so people i don't want people to get like well what's even the point then yeah that's fine that's why you're here right so (laughs) you can get to a spot where you're like oh i am just comfortable with this and i feel good about this that's okay you will stay right there don't you think it okay Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but don't you think it depends on where you're at in your training? If you're a beginner, it you're getting stronger just by doing the movements. Yeah. It's once you kind of plateau and you're in your training for like, I mean, if if you've been training for five plus years, then these like strength gains and things like that are going to be much smaller and it's going to be harder for you to like make those like big jumps in strength. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So like, that's kind of what we were talking about where you get your like minimum dose of that. Like, okay, now I'm, I'm a, I've met these minimum requirements and now I'm a strong functional human. When you're going from like baseline to like, you're not there to getting there. It's really not like about like, oh my gosh, I got to make sure I add like five more pounds every week or whatever. Like you just, you just need to come here and go through the motions and do it consistently. And you're going to get that like strength gain. So Mm -hmm. I guess I was like, Talking more about just um, those types of people, the people going from like, no, have not exercised, are not proficient in strength and endurance and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. then getting them to that like proficiency level. And then once you get there, it's more about your like maintenance of that. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Or am I just like I, speaking gibberish? I don't, I know. don't know. My, my, my whole point was I just didn't want people, I didn't want people to get caught up in what you said about, um, adding, adding load. Mm-hmm. Cause I, di- I didn't want people to get caught up in thinking, Oh, that means I have to go heavier and heavier. Like progressive overload doesn't necessarily just mean like pounds. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Progressive overload means that you are increasing the difficulty of the things that you're doing as time goes yeah. on. It doesn't have to be heavier. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Um, he also likes like doing training blocks because me too. I, 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 yeah. So we do training blocks here just for that reason so that you can like focus on like a subset of things and then you can make slight alterations and you can kind of build off that training block. And then so, so the training blocks just like allow you to not be too general. So like there's kind of this balance between like spe- specificity and variance, right? So like you don't want to be too specific to where, okay, I only train the back squat, right? Like that would be super specific, but you don't want to be so variant that like you only back squat once a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause you're not going to be able to get better at it. So th- this is like one of the reasons why we also moved away from CrossFit because it's a little bit too variant. Right. So mm-hmm. it was where if you can kind of take those things and you can 
focus on them on certain training blocks, then like over a year of training, you were able to like progress on several things much better than you would be if you had those spread out over the whole year rather than like, okay, I had all these six week training blocks to where I was able to like get better at a smaller subset of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yep. I mean, it's our example of if we only snatched every six weeks, every time you came back to the snatch, you'd have to relearn it. Essentially Mm -hmm. you'd retain a little bit, but if you snatch every Monday for six weeks, you build off of the week before you build off the week before, and then you take a six month break. You can come back to it a lot easier. Yeah, because that muscle memory, they did touch on muscle memory in there um, in, in a couple of different ways, but like muscle memory, like riding a bike or like doing a snatch. If you, we've talked about it before on the podcast too. If you do that more intensively and you really like lock it in, it is a lot easier for you to come back to it than if you're only snatched once a month. Right. If you snatch every week for 12 weeks, that's pretty intense to where then if you did take, yeah, a break, it's going to be a lot easier to come back to. So um, the last thing I just wanted to touch on was um, we've been kind of having a debate on warm-ups for a while. There's been no debate. <laughs> okay, so we haven't really been debating, but um, I don't know. There's kind of like a traditional way that maybe like CrossFit gyms warm up. I don't know. To where that like that like typical AMRAP style or a lot of people think like, Oh, I'll just jump on a bike for five minutes. Like that's going to get me warm. But we actually think you just, you're going to prioritize your first movement that you're going to do. And you just, you need to warm up to do that movement. Here (laughs) is the truth. Well, I was just, I actually, after I listened to this episode, I just thought it was funny. I sent Kyle a message and I was like, Oh, Dr. Andy agrees with you on your warm ups." (laughs) Warm-ups are like stretching. They're not real. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, your warm-ups should be dynamic. They should be related to the movement that you're I wasn't do. insinuating you should stretch for a warm-up. I was just saying that like... Um, if I were to just ask you, why are you warming up? What would you tell me? Like, you know, okay, we're going to start warming up today... Okay, here's so what we're doing. If I'm doing um, a five by five back squat, it's going to be very no, difficult no, no, don't for e- me don't even to get, like- don't even get specific. <laughs> just generally, just be a just be a person on the street. It's like, hey, what do you do before you start your workout? Do you do a warm up? Yes. Why? Because it helps me my body move better. Okay, it helps your body move better. Yeah, like so I have to like I have to like get my body warmed up to the point to where I have blood flowing, joints moving mm-hmm. so that I so can the, like load or do the things I want to do. What's the desired outcome of the warm up? Is that I feel ready to do the thing that I want to train. Okay. Gotcha. So what types of things would you be doing for like, let's say a back squat? Say oh, you said back. don't get specific. No, now we are. Now we are. <laughs> my, my thing I was going to get at is like people think that it prevents injury. Um, I guess if you really just want to kind of argue semantics, I guess it does. Right. My, here's our whole thing though. Well, it depends on what you're going to do. Hold on, hold on. Warming up for a back squat, like our whole thing is all you need to do to warm up for a back squat is back squat. Your warm ups are everything up to a working set. Mm-hmm. Nothing else needs to be done to warm up for back squatting. Mm-hmm. Um, Some things just require more warm up. So I guess what that's... I'm saying is, is like you, we always do warm up. We always warm up. Yeah. Some things do require more warm up. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm doing a poor job of making my point here. (laughs) 
I guess what I'm saying is, is like, I think when you say warm up, people have one thing. Do you need to warm up for a bicep curl? What are, what's those? What are those? Yeah. A bicep curl. Yeah. Curls for the girls. So there's like things to where like, you don't really need warm up time to like do that. Like your long steady state cardio. You don't need to warm up for that. That's not like a warm up situation. Mm -hmm. Do you need to warm up to sprint? Yeah, I would. (laughs) You want to warm up to do over your 70% back squat? Do you need to warm up to do your 70% snatch? Like, (laughs) so those things I, you are warming up to them. So I'm not saying that we don't need to do warm ups. What we're talking about is what is done during that quote warm up. Yeah. So we're talking about, do you need to do completely different things to warm up? Generally? No. We're saying that you don't need to do. Why don't you just tell me what the doctor agreed with me on? You (laughs) haven't told me that yet. Oh, okay. Um, well he agreed with you that, your warmups should be dynamic and they should be doing the thing that you're going to do. So I think his, his example yes. was like back squats, like to warm up for yeah. back squats, you do like three to five sets. Has anybody, <laughs> has anybody been here for back squats? This whole block, what have we been doing? It's like, Hey guys, we're getting ready for back squats today. We're going to be doing a heavy set of five or sorry, five sets, five heavy sets of five. Yeah. What we're going to do to get warmed up for that, grab a bar. I'm going to have you do sets of five with the empty bar. Then that's you're going to do three to five warm up sets up to your build. 70%. Exactly. And that's what, and that's what we're telling people, right? Yes. Like, okay, now start building up in weights and now we're going to hit our five by five. Yes. Like, so your yeah. warm up is the empty bar work yeah. and the sets that are warming you up to the weight you're going to okay. start at. So I think what we're ar- arguing about is, is that like the general warm up versus a specific warm up? Do you need to generally warm up before you specifically warm up? No. Okay. That's, I think that that was the debate. Then, I like that. That's, then the yeah, next you, debate would be once you have gone through your back squat warm up and you have done your back squats, do you need to then warm up again to do another thing? And I think that might depend. If you have to do like pull ups, then thing. you might warm here's up. Here's our thing. We're, we're using warm up as this whole broad term that we're just talking about preparing to do something. Yeah. Right. And warm up because of the name warm <laughs> and up insinuate insinuates that there's some benefit to, and I'm not saying there's no benefit that like one of the most important things you can do is get your body temperature up. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's one of the most important things you can do. I think that's a byproduct of Moving. what's happening when you're practicing the movements. Yeah. Right. So I think there's been this kind of misconception that you need to like get on a bike, spin for 10, 15 minutes, get your body nice and warm, warm up, um, before you start getting into some of these. I think it's fine if you do that. It's just not necessary. It definitely doesn't take away from it. Yeah. I think what goes on is it, it eases people into intensity and they feel better about it. So he did talk about like, um, you do have to be kind of careful with your warm ups because depending on what you're going in to do, you don't want to introduce fatigue. And there are a lot of people to where like, you can definitely warm up you're too much overdoing it to the, the point to where yeah. actually you're, you have fatigue and then you're actually not going to be able to like, God, that seems extreme. Well, it just depends on what you're talking about with a warm up. I think. Yeah. So this whole thing, it comes from like, warming up too long can introduce fatigue. And obviously that's not going to happen in like five minutes. But. Right. Um, 
or, you know, easily biking, that's not going to introduce fatigue. I guess at the end of the day, like this whole warm up thing comes from really, we want to give our members a good experience at the gym. We want to be efficient with our time. We want, and, and part of that is being efficient with, with time. We've had, uh, Gabe went on vacation. Remember when Gabe went on vacation and dropped into like a bunch of different CrossFit yes. gyms and he's just like, just giving us general feedback of what happened. He's like, dude, we spent 30 minutes warming up it, and then you break down what you did in those 30 minutes and how much of it was necessary. And it boils down to like two movements for like four of the minutes Yeah, were what were needed to get people ready Mm-hmm. for the thing they were doing that day. Mm-hmm. And it just is like, once you've experienced what it's like to just get into a class, get moving, get warm, build appropriately, anything more than a few minute warm up feels very excessive. excessive. And when I'm saying few minute warm up, I mean a few minute general kind of get moving. Yeah. Then you're going to start specifically getting into what you're doing like heavier weights heavier, or like, like actually getting you could just call it like hey we're going to do empty bar work mm-hmm. and then we're going to load the bars slowly up into our working weight. yeah there's yeah. your general warm-up empty bar yeah more specific warm-up is getting weight on the yeah, bar. yeah 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 running um, 400 meters holding in-step stretch uh all of this kind of stuff like it's it's not really doing anything for you like what is the point of running it's getting your body temperature up well if you're getting ready to squat why don't you just squat and get your body temperature up what's the point of doing an in-step stretch well it stretches your hip no it doesn't mm-hmm. like sit down in the bottom of a squat mm-hmm. like load it through the range of motion it's mm-hmm. just once you start understanding that stretching is not real i'm kind of joking but once you start understanding these things, you just realize how much time people are wasting. So I think stretching can feel good, sure. but it's not like a contributing factor to your readiness y- to take on. Yeah, exercise. yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I really, really hate it that like high schools still have kids like static stretch for a warm up, like in sports. It why drives me nuts. But why wouldn't they? Why would they? Because they've been told that for <laughs> yeah. generations and they don't have anybody who's like driving that forward. Yeah. It just, it just kind of drives me nuts. Like, so for track, a lot of times they'll do their dynamic warm up first and then stretch. So, okay. I guess at least they're not stretching cold and then doing their dynamic warm up, but it does kind of drive me nuts. Anyways, if anybody's noticed that we've kind of like switched up the, the quote unquote warm up, I think we just found that like coming in and doing some sort of random AMRAP to get warm for five minutes was just kind of like wasting time. We don't want to waste your time. Yeah, we only have 60 minutes or 55 or 50, really, probably yeah. <laughs> like 50 minutes with you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the whole goal is to just get you doing the thing that we want to do and progress into it. Um, I was going to say one more thing about the warm ups. Generally, we feel pretty warm after we do whatever the strength piece is. I would argue that, like, if you're going from a back squat to doing something like pull ups, then you might want to go through some like kipping progressions to like warm up your shoulders a little bit more specifically. But if you came off the snatch or you came off something like that, like what else do you need? Your shoulders are warm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think it just kind of like, if you, if, if you've noticed this and maybe if you don't like it, I would challenge you to bring more purpose to your warm up sets. 
I mean, nobody I, really likes to warm up I, because I, you feel like trash yeah, while you're warming up. I, I yeah. catch, I catch myself. I mean, this is myself as well. Yeah. Um, empty bar work. So like one of our things we've been doing for our back squat day, three sets of five empty bar with a little bit of a different focus on each one, like tempo bracing, combining Something, the two. Yeah. Um, if I take those seriously, get tight, brace, all that kind of stuff. I feel great. Mm-hmm. As soon as I load weight on the bar, I feel great. If I go through the motions and you know the difference, like you yeah. might not look different, but you know the difference. When you put your head into it, you will feel better. Mm-hmm. And then on your first warm up set, you put 135 on the bar. Take that bar from the rack as serious as you are going to your heavy set of five. You will feel better. You will find that you can get warm for mm-hmm. a heavy set of five back squat in like six minutes. Mm-hmm. You'll be good to go. But if you just kind of lollygag and just go through the range of motion, sometimes it doesn't feel as good. Yeah, because you didn't really do your part to like because because the warm up is you got to get your brain is purposeful. In it. You got to get, your but brain that's kind of why we do that too. Mm-hmm. It's why we do three sets of five. Usually, what I like to do is I like people to just do a set of five, and it's everyone's first set of five, so it's usually kind of sloppy. So mm-hmm. then I'll be like, "All right, guys, we're gonna pretend that this is actually a serious set of five. and then right. everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I'm here to warm up." Like, yeah. but. The warm up always feels like trash because when you go from cold to being warm, there's this transition and it doesn't feel that great, but you know that you have to do it. So just, and it's kind of like, our, <laughs> I guess to wrap this up, Yes, wrap it up. Cause we got to go. Our thinking is that let's just get through that not fun part quickly. Yeah. Rather than dragging it out and making it a little, maybe it doesn't feel quite as bad, but it took 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's just get the kinks out. Yeah. It's going to be, you're not going to over, you're not going to strain a muscle because you We're talking about a general warm up Cause I would say before probably 12 minutes do go by or, you know, something close to that, maybe like 10 before you would start your working sets. Right. So what we're not doing is a 10 minute bike and stretch before we get barbells on our back Yeah, because you are strong people Yeah, who can put 45 pounds on your back and squat it down and stand it up without 10 minutes of preparation. 100%. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a series or not. There are, we did only basically summarize like the first episode and a half of this. I don't know how much more of it is that relevant. Um, but anyway, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and let us know if you have any questions or arguments. We let let Kyle know about the arguments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, ready to wrap it up? Yep, that's it. Okay, we'll see you guys in the gym. See ya.